Welcome to Exploring Beyond the Edge with Dr. Cynthia Andrews. Are you ready to explore the conscious path around you? Open your heart and mind and awaken your curiosity? You've stopped into the right place. Now, here is your host, Dr. Cynthia Andrews. Hey there, this is Cynthia. Thank you for tuning in. So I'm here tonight again without co-host Colin, but he does wish everyone a warm hello. And he's returning to the show on New Year's Eve. Um, we're going to have an interesting show on New Year's Eve. We're going to be addressing different people's requests about um, stories in the field and, and different things. It ought to be a really fun show. So show up on New Year's Eve. Next week on Christmas Eve, we're going to have a really special guest, Meredith Young Sowers. She is the founder of Stillpoint and author of innumerable books. And Meredith and I will be discussing identity and the challenges that happen when you shift your identity to incorporate some of the experiences we've been talking about with non-ordinary reality. But tonight, I am so excited. We're starving our fears tonight with the very delightful Joyce Logan. (laughs) Joyce is the author of Starving Your Fears, From Panic to Peace in 10 Easy Steps. She holds a doctorate in metaphysical philosophy and is a certified hypnotherapist. Joyce helps people with anxiety disorders and panic attacks, and she enjoys a dual career in public relations and wellness. She founded the Wellness Center in Connecticut and is the founder and former president of the Fan Emporium Incorporated, a celebrity-based public relations firm where she worked with top recording artists, uh, unbelievably, people like Mariah Carey, Michael Bolton, John Mellencamp, Carly Simon, (laughs) Kenny Loggins, and Kenny G. Pretty amazing there, Joyce. That's just to name a few. And so in addition to Starving Your Fears, Joyce has co-authored several books. She's been interviewed by the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, various national magazines, and has been featured in numerous TV shows. Um, Joyce continues to inspire and help those struggling with anxiety and stress and also owns Logan's Productions in Connecticut where she utilizes her public relations skills to coach businesses in marketing and publicity. So she can be reached at JoyceLoganProductions.com and if you have questions for Joyce during the show tonight, call in at 888-346-9141 or email questions to energyexplorations at gmail.com. Just remember to put radio question in the subject line so that I don't miss it. So welcome, Joyce. Thanks so much for being oh, here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor being on your show. Why, thank you. It is. Well, you know, so Joyce, throughout the radio program the past few weeks with Colin, we've been exploring the body as a vehicle of perception and discussing how through the body we can receive energy information, engage non-ordinary reality. And we continually discuss the importance of keeping the body clear so that you can be in the present time. And Mm -hmm. our last couple of weeks, we've worked with some family dynamics, we've worked with radical forgiveness, and so many people suffer with anxiety and unhealed wounds from the past that keep them from being able to fully experience the present in all of its joyousness, if you will. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Or, or just to be there regardless of, right. you know, of the experience. So um, we're really looking forward to your class, your, your you know insights tonight into, into the tools that you offer. 
And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, there's just so many different directions we can go. You you incorporate so many different aspects of life, and you're such a rich resource. And I have to say this because it is so true that every person I talk to who knows you, you are one of the most beloved people I have oh, ever got. Oh, nice. Everybody's <laughs> like Joyce Logan, and they just oh. love you. <laughs> so well, I'm that's very so nice pleased. to hear. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> So, I wanted to start just to give our listeners an idea of who you are as a person by starting with your very first experience um, when you were quite young and sort of kind of representing the Beatles at 12 years old. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure they'd be surprised I was representing them. Um, Well, you know, around 11 years old, and we'll go back to this later, that's when I first experienced my big panic attack. Yeah. I didn't really know it was a panic attack, mm-hmm. but um, that's what makes, I think, my book a little bit different from others, possibly, is that mm-hmm. I lived this. Mm-hmm. So I retreated into music. I love music. Music was calming, and my my mother used to come into my room and even bring a friend in and say, Oh, she's listening to Henry Mancini. I loved instrumentals. I think innately I knew that I needed music to calm me. And music was my friend. Uh, And then I got into the Beatles. And I wasn't in love with the Beatles that I wanted to marry Paul or Mm. whatever. I wanted to be a Beatle. (laughs) I wanted wanted to help. I wanted to help. Mm -hmm. So I decided at 12 years old that I would go to the New Haven, Connecticut Library. And I thought, I bet there's an old phone book in here. And I bet I can find where they lived. <laughs> or their, because I need to contact a family member and tell them what their music has done for me. Mm-hmm. And I just needed to have that connection. So, Lo and behold, I found George Harrison's uh, address on Mackett's Lane in Liverpool, and I wrote, well, first I called, I did call, <laughs> and I was shaking, afraid that my parents, you know, we're going to see yeah. this on the phone bill. Yeah. I, I'm calling, you know, this is before cell phones, and <laughs> so um, she told me what address to, to write her at, and I think it was a sister, answer mm-hmm. the phone, and she said, well, you know, write to us and, and tell us, you know, what you want. So I thought, well, what I really want is I want other people, fans, to be able to get closer to the Beatles. So I put together a letter asking if they would give me pen pals, girls on their street that would like to interact with American girls. And They sent me a long list. I can still see it in my mind. So once I had that list, I thought, well, what am I going to do with this now? Should I write them? Should I? And I thought, well, you know what? I think I'll call a radio station (laughs) because they play them and maybe I could devise a contest. So I called them. They did not know I was 12 years old. They never asked, (laughs) you know, how old I was. But I said, you know, I'm a big fan of the Beatles, and I have all these names, and I contacted George Harrison's, you know, mother and sister, and how about if we do a contest, and people could win a name, or something like that, and they said, well, this sounds really interesting, <laughs> so tell us more, 
So, you know, I just uh, I just would talk to them about it. And we did everything by, by phone. And they did hold a contest. And it was win a pen pal from George Harrison's neighborhood. <laughs> and after that, I also ran a contest called Rings for Ringo. And, and people would send me rings. And I just made this, like, I don't know, it was like half a mile long of, of rings. And then they gave it away. Well, then they wanted to meet me. <laughs> they wanted me to come down. Oh, I was shaking. And uh, let's just say it went okay. They let me pull news off the news wire mm -hmm. and do things like that. But they could see I wasn't old enough to work there. Mm -hmm. But um, but you did eventually work in radio. I did, yes. That was the basic skills that brought you into your whole social media and publicity coaching yes. business that you have now. And, and was Michael Bolton your first big? Yes. That's yeah. exciting. What happened, I always wanted to be a therapist. Mm. And at 14 years old, I knew that. Mm. I had a very, very dear friend of mine who um, ended up getting involved with drugs through a boyfriend. And she went to rehab. And no one was allowed to visit her. But one day I wrote her a letter. And I guess the letter was, you know, so healing that her parents came to my home and spoke to my parents and asked if I would go regularly to visit her. So that's what I did. And I wrote letters to her about setting a goal, about looking at her future and what she really wanted. You know, when I was 14 years old, I was never involved with drugs or knew anyone, you know, mm, that was. Yeah. But I had this need to help her. And I also had a great satisfaction, mm -hmm. gratification once I did. Mm -hmm. So on my way in life to become a therapist, I had two little children first. I got married very young. And I needed to work while I was going to school. Mm -hmm. And someone said, there's a job opening at a radio station, and I think you'd be great for that. So that's, uh, I went to the radio station, and I said, I'll take any job here. Mm -hmm. And they made me sales secretary because I could type. And I found if you could type, you could eat. <laughs> <laughs> so I grabbed that job. But in about six months, they made me promotions director because I just innately knew, you know, to say, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you going to the beach and handing out bumper stickers? And why aren't you, you know, whatever? And that was in the early, that was in the early 80s. And Michael Bolton had just become Michael Bolton. Mm -hmm. He was Michael Bolton before. Mm -hmm. And he was with a band called Blackjack. And I was very aware of that. So he came to the radio station to do an interview. And I said, and I said to him, what if, what if we started a club, not a traditional fan club, but, you know, I said, Michael, I watch the women when you're singing and they're singing along to songs even before this album mm -hmm. came out, that they're, they're fans and they're, and they're really like, like attached to the music. I mean, of course, him and to the music. And he said, well. I never really noticed that because I wear glasses, but on stage, I don't wear my contacts, I don't wear my glasses, so I really can't see. 
you know, what, you know what, what people are doing or looking at. And um, so I said, what if I come to your shows and I pass out information that if you want to know more, learn more? And that's what we did. So I did that and I gathered names and I started putting them in a recipe box because I had no place to put them. And then eventually I would take a train in every weekend in New York and I would sit with this manager and we would go over that. And you know, basically, your your love of helping people and, and that, that it, experience you had as a young child and the gratification, when by the time you'd, you met Kenny G, you were really <clears throat> well on your way to trying to match celebrities up with needs, right? Yes. Isn't that kind yes. of how you ended up working with yes. them? Yeah, this wasn't just a fan club where you got an 8x10 glossy in the, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the mail. This was a fan club set up, so I was the liaison between the fans and the celebrity. And, you know, unfortunately, there were an awful lot of of dying people and Mm -hmm. sick children and people with real hardships. They're they're writing in because music saves lives. I can't even tell you how many letters Mm -hmm. I opened up that I was anticipating suicide, and then I heard this song. So what I would do is I would go to the Michael or Mariah and say, this is someone you really need to meet with. This mm-hmm. is something we need to do something special for. And it would make the front page of the news or whatever. And it was very philanthropic, which was great. And it put the celebrity in a different light as well. Like Mariah, uh, you know, grew up in the city in New York and she was uh, very active in the Fresh Air Fund. And working with kids and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, singing with them at camp. She did a lot of things like that. So, you know, I was able to help in that and to, to shed a light on, on what they did. So the Kenny G story is I was um, in the green room at MTV because actually I was with a group called Wilson Phillips then. You know, the daughter of Brian Wilson, mm-hmm. the daughters, two of them uh, from the Beach Boys. And while I was there, Kenny G, you know, asked me, like, well, what, are, what am I doing here? I thought you just worked for Michael. And, you know, and I told him, like, what I do. Mm-hmm. So in that brief moment of time, he just, you know, we got, we had a little conversation going. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what, what would you do for me? And I said, well, who, who looks at your fan mail? He says, oh, I have boxes and boxes of fan mail. When the spirit moves me. I reach in and I read one. <laughs> and I said, well, what about the ones you miss? What about the ones that, you know, uh, could have a serious problem? Wouldn't you like to connect with them? And his reaction was, was kind of funny. He said, well, what if there's a $5,000 check in there <laughs> and people are sending money? And then, you know, people, you or people you work with would just take the money. So I said, well, first of all, I'm highly insulted. <laughs> highly um, and second of all, Kenny, people ask for money. They don't send money <laughs> to celebrities. So it took him six months. In six months, he called me and said, I really want to work with you. Mm. And it was really gratifying for the both of us. Mm-hmm. It, he turned out to be such a lovely person to work with. I was so happy that took place. And that was a big part of what you did. And, and, yes. really, and really took you towards your hypnotherapy work was yes. bringing the needs of, of people in pain and, and and in illness and connecting them with people who could help. Exactly. 
So when we come back after break, we're going to go into your your own panic attacks and your own experiences and then how you can help people come out of it, how hypnotherapy helps. But it really is wonderful to see what your background is and to see how the whole of you weaves together because you're a very diverse person. Well, sometimes you just have to be standing. (laughs) (laughs) Joyce, if somebody wanted to come and and use your coaching services, how would you you, um, suggest they reach you? They can reach me at JoyceLoganProductions.com. My phone number is on there. My email email address is Mm -hmm. on there. So... And in addition to coaching, do you do any more actual social media? Um, I do help businesses. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm working with several businesses right now, mm-hmm. and um, and it's more than just doing the social media. It's also getting into their psyche. Mm-hmm. I don't walk in and say, "Let's do social media." Right. I walk in and say, "What do you want?" Right. You know, where do you really need help? Yes. And, and so you address both of my, you know, what's going to give me anxiety is social media right. <laughs> and marketing and any of that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. so you walk in the door and you have an answer for each of my big issues. So that's, that's <laughs> terrific. Um, well, we're going to move in towards a break now. We are talking with Joyce Logan, and she is the author of Starving Your Fears. And if you'd like to contact her, that's JoyceLoganProductions.com. You can order her book on her website or you can order on Amazon so do come back after the break because there's lots more to cover and we'll head into break now it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Exploring Beyond the Edge. To reach Dr. Cynthia Andrews or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to energyexplorations at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Hey, welcome back. So we're talking with Joyce Logan and her book, Starving Your Fears. And we're talking in this segment about anxiety and what we can do to confront anxiety. 
So, Joyce, why don't you, would you mind sharing with people your first experience with anxiety? Sure. Well, I was very young, um, 11, 12 years old. I was in the Girl Scouts, and I had to stand up and read something, um, you know, about the history of the Girl Scouts, and I was really excited about it. You know, my mother was there, my grandmother was there, and I was really, you know, happy. Mm-hmm. So, uh was shocking to me that when I got up to speak that the my paper was trembling and my heart was beating so rapidly that my voice was breaking up. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was going to faint. I didn't know what was going to happen. And yet I was embarrassed at the same time. So I kind of got through that, I think. I don't even know if I finished it. But afterwards, you know, my peers came up to me and said, were you going, were you crying? It sounded like you were crying. I became more and more embarrassed and then withdrawn um, to the point where I didn't really like going into a store. Mm -hmm. I thought I'll meet up with them and they'll ask me about it again or they're going to look at me like I'm weird. Mm -hmm. And then I was on the debate team at that time and it was eighth, eighth grade and my mother had to write a note to please excuse Joyce from the debate team because she has a nervous problem. I went to a Catholic school. The nuns laughed at that. I mean, there wasn't much empathy towards me. It's like, well, what do you mean you have a nervous problem? And um, I did get off the debate team. Um, probably not a good idea, but no one really knew you know, how to handle that. My mother had agoraphobia Mm -hmm. during that time. My mother knew all too well what was going on with me, but she couldn't heal herself. So how did you discover your way out? How how did, and and how do you help other people come out? The way I discovered my way out is that when I was uh, in college and uh, I always felt like I was going to die at Mm -hmm. some point. And um, I voiced this to my very conservative doctor and after I had he he had me on Valium mm-hmm. um, not an antidepressant but not yet at that point but he said to me you know what he said there's a really good doctor that does hypnotherapy and I think you would benefit from that and that was the first I had really heard of that mm-hmm. you know that was bad that was like woo, woo like what are mm-hmm. you talking about Hi- hypnosis That was the pivotal moment in my life Hmm. when I found out how powerful my brain was, Hmm. that I could overwrite thoughts. I could create, you know, different images. I, I remember the first thing he said to me was, where is one place that you have like your your biggest fear of walking into and it was a grocery store Mm -hmm. and I was a young mom with kids I needed to shop Mm -hmm. so we went through this scenario that as soon as I walked in because the produce was up in front and I would see the orange oranges that I would immediately have a feeling of peace and safety and when I picked up that orange you know I, I would feel this relaxation and lo and behold, I did. Hmm. I did. So that really showed me that, huh, I think I can change this within myself. 
by changing your mind and isn't that that's one of your steps is is to know that um you know what you think is real right yes well staying in the present tense but i have to share that before i even got to that point Mm -hmm. at one point i packed my my bags and had it in the back seat because i did see a psychiatrist and i thought they're going to put me in the psych ward mm-hmm. because they're, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't walk in a store. I can't drive a car now. Mm-hmm. And I related it back to my mother, but I felt like I was worse than my mother because I intellectually knew what was happening. I read books, but nothing was going deep enough to change this. And I just felt I was damaged, mm-hmm. that I'm probably just going to have to be hospitalized. And when I went to see the psychiatrist... He listened and listened, and he said, well, you really need to see this woman. Um, Her name is Jane Miller. She was a therapist in Brantford, uh, where I lived, and she was in your backyard, and she treats people with with anxiety. You have generalized anxiety disorder. You are not insane. You do not have to be hospitalized, and that that along with the hypnotherapy and then along meeting other people who had mm-hmm. what I had yeah I, I have to say Cynthia that still wasn't comforting to me because many people when they hear they have generalized anxiety disorder they say yeah. oh thank God thank right. God at least it has a name right. you know I thought I had this or had that but I kind of knew what I had because of my, my mother so I was still feeling why am I not there? Why am Why am I not getting this? Why am I right. intellectually getting this and understand the books? But I'm. It's just not a, not enough, and that's where hypnotherapy really kicked in for me. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to do self hypnosis on myself and to really change things around to the point where I could get on an airplane. I could go on an elevator. Mm-hmm. I, all these things that I that I couldn't do before. And so your way out of that, you developed these 10 steps that other people who are in the grocery store having an anxiety attack can move to to help get themselves through it, even without having had a hypnotherapy session. Yes. Although it will be wonderful if they come to you or another hypnotherapist and have a session and develop some self-talk really and, right and some beliefs some inner beliefs about their the strength of their mind and the strength of their um emotions really you know like if you can feel differently if you can imagine yourself feeling differently then you can right yes so could we go through some of those 10 steps sure and i think the most important one that i begin with is breath yes and you know most of my life we all hear just breathe yeah. there's signs that say just breathe but I didn't know what that meant <laughs> you know I am breathing I'd be right. dead if I'm not breathing right. what, so um, when I understood that fight or flight mm. when I really understood that that we're hardwired you know still into that caveman times of fight or flight but because we're not running from danger and people mm. aren't beating us up and we're not foraging for food. And and um, when that anxiety hits us, when that adrenaline shoots over our body, it's really because it's saying, do something. Mm-hmm. Do something. You're not running. 
You don't have a club. You're not beating somebody <laughs> up. Just do something. Most times we're not doing something. That's right. We're sitting at our desk. We're, we're in a car and we're feeling awful because we're not doing something. Because when they ran from danger, they were breathing hard. Yeah. You know, because you need that adrenaline at that point. But if you're just sitting there, you're not, but you are breathing improperly. Mm-hmm. You're breathing more thoracically. You're breathing from your upper chest. And think about stressful things. Think about, you know, even speaking with you right now. Mm-hmm. I have to consciously get the breath down to mm-hmm. my belly. Mm-hmm. When you get your breath down to your belly, it sends a message to your brain that you're okay. Mm-hmm. The adrenaline, the cortisol, all of that begins to shut down because your body is always working with you. It really wants to help you. But when you're breathing very shallow breaths and you go into a hyperventilation state, your brain thinks you're in trouble. So it's adding more adrenaline, just what you don't want. But the moment you get your breath under control... And you can do that very easily by closing your mouth, closing, pressing and closing off one nostril. Mm -hmm. Take a breath in through your nostril, even breathe out through that nostril. And that gets that breath down into your belly. And that begins to shut off all that unwanted adrenaline in your body, making you feel so awful. So because you can't get as much air in, you take that air in much more deeply. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. And it also, breathing like that takes you from outside into the inside, and inside you're actually okay. Yes, you're okay. Yeah. So what's the next step? What's the next step? It is acceptance, right? Oh, acceptance is huge. Mm -hmm. Huge, huge, huge. Now, I'll tell you that acceptance is what totally moved me out of my fears. Because there's a feeling with people, even if they're on antidepressants Mm -hmm. to deal with uh, anxieties and panic attacks, they still have an underlying fear of what if, Mm -hmm. what if it comes back. And I can tell you, because I live this, until you welcome an anxiety attack. I tell you, welcome being in a space that may cause it because you know you can handle it. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be lurking in the background. So when I had trouble driving one day and my husband, uh, I asked him to follow me. I said, I I, I don't want to give into this, you know, but I'm just not, I'm not feeling, you know, quite myself. And And he said, sure, you know, I'll follow you. So I'm driving. He's right behind me. My safety, my safety is behind me. There is another car behind me. And I begin to have one of like like the number 10 panic attack out of one out of 10 to the point where I started hyperventilating. My hands are tingling like my whole body fell asleep. Mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't grab the wheel. Uh, It was And I thought to myself in that moment, all right, are you going to be an invalid the rest of your life? Is this going to be the life you're going to lead where some days you're good, some days you're not? You know, some days the hypnosis totally works, self-hypnosis, but then it doesn't. And in that moment, I said to myself, you know, isn't this interesting? 
isn't this interesting what my body's doing? And I'm still driving. I mean, these are all nanoseconds of thoughts that my hands are tingling because I, I was over-breathing. You know, I'm feeling this way because I'm feeding my fears. I'm going into the what-ifs. And what if this happens? What if I lose control of the car? What if I kill someone? What if I kill myself? And it went on and on. And I thought, stop. You know, stop it. Be in this moment. Experience this moment. What's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? Well, having a creative mind, I can imagine my heart splitting out of my chest and, you know, all over. And then I said, so what? So what if your heart's, but you're going to die at some time anyway. So, you know, what if these things happen to you? Are you going to live a life of what ifs? And this was all within seconds. And so within a couple of minutes, I was fine. I waved my husband on. And that was that kind of pivotal moment where mm-hmm. I thought, I can handle this. Mm-hmm. I can be anywhere and I can handle it. Because I'd rather be outside doing something challenging myself than sitting at home and not being able to get out of the house at all, which I lived many, you know, months and, you know, like a year like that. And that was pretty awful. So it sounds like what you're saying is to accept that this is here right now, but it won't last forever. It sort never like lasts forever. This too shall pass. And if I yes. just can breathe, it's going to be over. Yes. And that wave of anxiety will wash over you. It will leave if you don't feed it. And that's why I call the book, of course, Starving Your Fears. You feed it by being afraid of it. You feed it by saying, what if this happens? What if that happens? Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, I'm okay. I'm in the present. I am all right right now. I'm always going to be all right. Yeah, that, that moment where you can say right here, right now, I'm fine. Those horrible right. things have not happened. Right. And just just be there. And then I think you also bring out that your number three here is, is that just because you have anxiety doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. No, not at all. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, people have been debating for years, and they really don't know if it's genetic, mm. is it environment-based. And some people just have an overactive mind. Mm-hmm. And the mind reacts, you know, very quickly to any sense of fear. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all of those for me, actually. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But that's what makes me me. And that's what makes anyone else themselves. And the one thing I've learned going to all these groups that I used to attend is that they would say, now look around the room. You're highly intelligent. You're creative. And... So it's like, oh, maybe this comes with creativity because mm-hmm. certainly a lot of actors and, you know, back in the day, I mean, you know, I was reading you know, something from the 65 AD mm-hmm. talking about worry and everything. And it's like, you know, I think it comes with the territory. So accept yourself. Excellent advice. And and, and I like the, your early part of your story because it really exemplifies this idea that creative minds think of all possibilities. That's what got you talking to George Harrison's sister and be, yes. and creating an empire out of that curiosity and without that curiosity and without that willingness to think creative, creatively, you're going to live a less life. But the downside of that, the other side of that is that you can also see all the 
possibilities that could go wrong. And so then you have to take yes. the discipline of your mind. But to to judge yourself is is taking away what's best about you, that creative thinking, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So yes. it's pretty cool. You also one of your steps here were one of your steps here is that it's okay to feel anxious. Yes, it is okay to feel anxious. And once you allow yourself that, you know, um, instead of, again, saying, I don't want to do this because I don't want to feel anxious and I don't want to feel a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And um, if you give yourself, you know, that allowance to, it, it, it's okay if I do. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm not sick. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 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 fine. I'm experiencing things for like I, you know we talked about whether you're highly sensitive or you know whatever it is. Um, it's okay. Like I have things that I I won't do, and I don't have to do them. I don't have to jump out of a plane. <laughs> I do not want to parachute out of a plane. So no one can shame me into that. And I think the only time you know you really need to work on something is. Is it keeping you from living your best life? Mm-hmm. And if your best life is just enjoying, you know, a cup of coffee with someone at your home or going shopping or, or getting to work, you know, being able to get in an elevator and going, going to work because many people can't get into an elevator and they don't mm-hmm. take that job. Yes, then you do need to work on that mm-hmm. because your world will become smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. But if, like I said, if it's bungee jumping or parachuting I mean who cares right you don't need to do that so how does it help you to stay in the present how does staying in the present your number six um it helps you big time and I'll use the elevator as an as an example as I as I do in the book so when I was working with someone who did not want to get on the elevator but she did have Mm -hmm. a job she needed to get to and it was quite a few floors up and Mm -hmm. you know she couldn't do that every day So I stood at the elevator with her and I said, right now, I know you're at an eight (laughs) and you're really anxious and you fear that this is going to get stuck. But right now, that elevator is not stuck in the present right now. That elevator is coming down and it's welcoming you in and it's going to take you to safety. You're okay. So get in the elevator. Touch the, 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 the metal panel. Mm-hmm. Isn't it great that metal panel lights up with the numbers? How the heck does it do that? Let's talk about that. Stay in the present. Someone gets on the elevator. Doesn't she have pretty shoes on? You know, miss, you have really nice shoes. Where did you get them? Stay in the present. Mm-hmm. Stay in the present before you know it. You know, five seconds have gone by and, and you're out of there. Mm-hmm. So the more you can stay in the present in any situation... In life, I mean, we're not even present with each other half the time now because of social media, of course, and everything. But it, it's really a healthy thing to do, you yeah. know, for all of us. Absolutely, and it certainly sounds like that is key, and 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 it's key to energy awareness and the different things that we have been talking about yes. as well. So we're going to be taking a break now. We're talking to Joyce Logan, author of Starving Your Fears, and. You can contact her at JoyceLoganProductions.com. And we're going to break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Empowerment Channel. It's time for you to take a sweet and honest look at your life. Tune into Living Within the Sweet Spot with your host, Nikki Klegel. Each week, Nikki invites you to call into the program where she will connect with each listener to show the power of God's love in every unique instance. There are gracious gifts and elements of power within each one of us. You just need to discover them and find your life's purpose. Live healthier and happier. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Exploring Beyond the Edge. To reach Dr. Cynthia Andrews or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to energyexplorations at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Hey, welcome back. So we're here talking with Joyce Logan, author of Starving Your Fears. And, you know, feel free to send us in an email or call in with a with a question. And Joyce, yes. so what would you say in the time we have remaining are the two most important next um, items on your list of ten? It would be your words. Your words, your words are magic. Mm-hmm. They really are magical. When, if you find, you know, really pay attention to your words. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself saying, this is too hard. This is too, my my life is awful. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Just consciously now pay attention to this. Because I know when you're out in the world, People say this to you all the time. I go to a doctor's office and they'll say, isn't the weather awful? Isn't it cold? Isn't it hot? Isn't it cold? Isn't it? So we have this language that we've Mm -hmm. developed of complaints with each other. Mm -hmm. When you change a word to, instead of saying something is difficult, say it's challenging. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm going through a challenging time instead of a really horrible, difficult Mm -hmm. time. You'll be surprised. 
realized how that changes the physiology of your body. Absolutely. By just saying, you know, changing that one word. And then make a habit of when you wake up in the morning, even if you don't believe it at first, say, today is going to be a great day. I love my life. I can, whatever it is, I can see, I can hear, I can feel. Aren't I lucky? Mm -hmm. You know, begin to say things like that. And I do, you know, a little... um, a little instruction in here about do it for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And for three weeks, every morning, consciously do that. But then, you know, in the fourth week, you could say, well, I'm not going to say that anymore. And I can guarantee you, your brain wants you to say that. Your whole being is saying, wait, wait, I'm forgetting something. Am I supposed to say something? It doesn't feel right. Because you can retrain your brain. Yes. You really can. And it's a, it's a good exercise for your brain, too. You know, in about three weeks, you, you can form a new habit. If you put your right shoe on every single morning from the time you were four years old mm. and your right foot went into that right shoe, but you consciously did your left foot for three weeks, that next day, your, your left foot is looking for that shoe, even though your right foot went in from the time you were, you know, a toddler almost. That is one of so, the best descriptions of neuroplasticity really? I have ever heard. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Who needs the science? <laughs> it's just called common sense. That's right. Just trying, trying things out. And so it works. It works. Of course it works. You are the master of, of your ship. You really are. You know, I, I... We don't realize how powerful our words are. Yes. Every single word that we say, our body is listening to and responding to and getting prepared to give us what we need. Oh, things are bad? Well, let me give you this then. Oh, things are things are, are really horrible and you're frightened? Let me give you some adrenaline. Yes. And then when you start changing your words, your body starts changing what it gives you. And it, and it really is that simple. Yes, it really is. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, when I started writing this book, I thought, oh, well, this book is going to be three or four hundred pages long. <laughs> and by the time I purged out everything I wanted people to know what I lived through, well, it's not a very big book at all. It's, it, in fact, it's very simple mm-hmm. because it is very simple. It is very simple. Right. For, for all of you who are considering buying this book, the thing I love most about this book is that Joyce has all these really beautiful nature pictures in here and these amazing quotes that she just throws in everywhere to just help you think about things a little bit differently. And um, You know, you I know. said the, I wanted the book to be that no, if you because I lived this way, if I was if I were in the throes of a panic attack, I wanted to open something and I wanted it to speak to me, and I I wrote this book and laid it out so that whatever page you open mm-hmm. to, there'll be something there that you can grab onto. And that is so beautiful. And and so here I've opened it up to read to someone, and it's it's Maya Angelou. And who has a better reason to think Mm. negatively than Maya Angelou you know so here she says you may encounter many defeats but you must not be defeated in fact it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are and what you can rise from and how you can still come out of it what an amazing thing to know about yourself right yes yes yeah and you can and we all have our paths in life and I feel like whatever we're going through then we need to be in the space at that that time and learn from it Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then help others. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, so it, that's why I do what I do. Well, I was going <laughs> to say one of your one of the services that you provide, and the reason people love you so much is because you help everybody just by being who you are, just by being in the room as who you are. You help other people, and they help me. It comes back. It's, <laughs> it's that beautiful. boomerang. Yes. So, what can if someone comes to you for a hypnotherapy session? What can they expect to happen? When someone comes to me and they know nothing about hypnotherapy, that is so exciting to me <laughs> because they, they normally they begin sitting at the edge of the chair and they'll say, well, I don't really want to close my eyes and I don't want you to control my mind. I said, if I could control your mind, I mean, this would be like, no, they can, I, I make them at ease and let them know if you've had any misconceptions about hypnotherapy, this is hypnotherapy. This is not stage hypnosis mm-hmm. in Las Vegas where people are going along with, you know, funny things. This is me helping you that the first time someone smoked a a cigarette, I can guarantee you they either coughed their lungs Mm -hmm. up or they got dizzy, they felt awful, because your body is saying, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? And eventually you overrode that, and you put that into the pleasure portion of your brain. Mm -hmm. I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to find out what you want. Mm -hmm. And what you really want, I'm going to make sure that's solid in that pleasure portion of Mm -hmm. your brain. And things that you don't want, we're going to start moving that over to the painful portion. It's too painful for you to be anxious. It's too painful for you to smoke or, Mm -hmm. or eat too much, whatever that is. And... They listen and they know that, but once I take them through a session, which I call a relaxation session, Mm -hmm. it's just a brain-boosting relaxation session, every single person opens their eyes and they don't even want to (laughs) talk. They look so peaceful. They'll say, wow, Mm -hmm. this is great. I haven't been this relaxed. I feel like I can do anything. Oh, my gosh. So that transformation is so beautiful for mm-hmm. them, for me, you know, to be able to help them with that. Mm-hmm. And then I, I would normally say, if someone says, how, how many times do I need to see you? Well, smoking can be a little bit different. That's packaged a little mm-hmm. bit different. But I tell people, you can feel better immediately. Mm-hmm. And you can figure out how to do, you know, and I'll tell you how to do self-hypnosis. But... I feel that people who have generalized anxiety Mm -hmm. disorder, Mm -hmm. they need, in a way, to think about it, like, and going to AA, Mm -hmm. that you periodically need to come back and just get fine-tuned again, because it's like trying to massage yourself. You know, it's good to go to someone and have that energy healing, Mm -hmm. to, to have that. So I suggest that if you can, come in for a half hour, you know, just come in to see me and and let's do this, you know, once a month, you know, once a month come in and that's what most people, you know, do. I can see that being really helpful. Do you ever do this on Skype if people want to, can't get there? Yes, absolutely. It's it's perfect on on Skype because they're just sitting back listening as long as they're in a quiet environment, Mm -hmm. you know, in in their home uh, or wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And can you make a tape of the session so that they can re-listen to it on yes. their own? Yes. Mm, that's great. Yeah. So there are a lot of different options. If people come in to see you, they not only 
So do you go into their story and extract pieces of their story, or how do you create the script that you use for the... Um, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, use that word again, it's a magical thing mm-hmm. um, for me. I, when I sit with them and they start speaking, I start writing. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I look down at what I wrote and I think, oh, I can't say that to them. <laughs> and when, but when I do take them through a session, I invariably end up saying that to them. And when they come back present into the room... They'll say, you know that thing you said? Mm-hmm. And it really, I felt it didn't come from me at all. Mm-hmm. It came from, you know, much higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. There, there, there are things that go on that I can't explain. But it's always the point where I don't remember saying something. Right. That they'll say, that is what I really needed to hear. Right. So your intuition is in full flow. And you, yeah. it sounds to me that, the, the, that what you really do that's so amazing for people is you hear them. And mm. you reflect back for them what they need out of what I mean. They're telling exactly. you. They're telling you their strengths, but they're not believing them until yes. they hear them from you. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's exactly. a beautiful thing that you do. It's a yeah. It's helping each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they really help me when someone's sitting with me. Mm-hmm. It's empowering. It's the it's the power of one. Back to the idea that one person can change another person's life in a direction they can't even imagine, just simply by being present and listening and caring right. in that moment. Absolutely. How many times have we heard that someone will meet someone they they don't even know, and mm-hmm. that person will say something about, "Aren't you beautiful?" Mm-hmm. or "Aren't you have Don't you have a great smile?" And that one thing mm-hmm. changed their whole day. That's right. That's so, right. So, and imagine if we do that for ourselves. We are not kind to ourselves. I'm struggling with that. <laughs> do that for myself, Joyce. Yes. <laughs> do, we have to do it for ourselves. You know, I look in the mirror and, I, and I'll, you know, you, we age. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, you know what? But you look pretty good. So, <laughs> but you have to, whatever you say, be kind to yourself. Just be kind. Say nice things to yourself. Wake up every morning and say, it's a great day to be alive. It really is. That whole gratitude piece is so essentially important. Just having gratitude for what is here in this moment and then having gratitude for yourself. I mean, I'm joking with this a little bit, but it is absolutely true that we give ourselves, we cut ourselves no slack. And if we're going through life expecting ourselves to always be on and always be perfect and always know exactly the right thing to do, well, that's not possible. And and eventually your body is going to begin to react to that kind of stress. So when you're really feeling this amount of anxiety in the season or whatever is going on, you know, just step back and give yourself a break. Right. Just be kind to yourself. Yes. Well, we are coming into the close of our show here. Um, Did you want to, is there anything you want to say to leave people with, Joyce? Well, other than breathe, (laughs) now that I went through how to really belly breathe, belly breathe, think kinder thoughts. And this is a day and age where we really need this because we're being bombarded. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to get into the whole political thing. But uh, this is a time where we really need to be kind and we need to be kind to others because it's the light in the world that people 
will relate to and they'll hear. That's absolutely Not true. anger. And gratitude, as you said, Cynthia, so important because if you're angry and if you're upset and despair over something, having gratitude is like taking a bucket of water and putting it on a fire. There you go. That's beautiful. It really is. Very well said. All right, everybody. Well, we're going to be heading out tonight. This is We've been talking with Joyce Logan. You can reach her at JoyceLoganProductions.com. And don't forget to, to join us next week, Christmas Eve, with Meredith Young Sowers, founder of Still Point and author of Agartha, if you come from the 1980s, which was a groundbreaking book at the time and certainly was one that changed my path through life. So we will see you next week. Have a wonderful week, and thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for joining us today. Exploring Beyond the Edge is heard every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next program, Dr. Cynthia Andrews wishes you a great week.